Historia. Welcome back, my friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume the lost, the forgotten, or the should have been. I said that wrong, didn't I? I got my own intro wrong. <laughs> I'm like, how many times have you been doing wow. this? <laughs> I was actually not thinking about what I was saying. I was thinking ahead. Well, the synonyms, the most, and the who's the what's We'll do it again. <laughs> no, that's good. good. Just keep that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why the hell not? Where we exhume obscure rock and punk. <laughs> And metal. Way to start off the That's new year. That's what we do. Way to start off the new year. Wow. What an idiot. <laughs> I well, never make mistakes like how that. How long have we been doing this? That we have to edit out constantly. <laughs> have a drink. Have a oh, drink. All right. Oh, yeah, have a drink. My name, Kevin Williams. That guy, I think. R- Robert Harrison. I think that's Robert Harrison over there. Oh, man. What's going on with you? Oh, Obviously, man. I'm having trouble <laughs> over here. You're having a brain aneurysm while I'm having a heart attack. Got my steps in today. I had to take down all the Christmas decorations, which means I had to take them up two flights of stairs to put them in the attic. I didn't even know you had Christmas decorations. Oh, thank you. I worked really hard on them. I don't go upstairs. You keep me down here in the, the basement. <laughs> Next the time, dungeon. you're welcome to come. Just take a gaze at the winter wonderland that I create upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> There's like five boxes. I mean, not even that. Four boxes worth of I put up a tree. Okay. I had some things all in right. the front, fire, the door, the big fire doors up front. I had like the little ceramic Christmas tree that your grandmother makes. Do you have one of those? I have one. I do. Yeah. It was, I've that was got a thing one. in the 60s. Yeah. Well, I've got one. My, it says 1974. My mother made go. it. And so I, you know, I got to pack that up and all this stuff. So yeah, my house is the attic. You just go up the stairs. You don't have to climb a ladder or anything. So it's two flights up, but then you get to go back down the fire pole on the way down. So instead of taking like four boxes at a time, I'm like, yeah, take one box. You didn't try just to chuck the boxes up the fire. That doesn't work well with ceramics. <laughs> <laughs> I do that with towels and things like that when I have to like change the <laughs> sheets or something upstairs that becomes yeah. a laundry chute mm. I just throw everything down the fire pole then I come back down and pick it up but yeah so I went down the fire pole like 12 times today it was a record I think is that called a fire chute what do they call that no it's just fire pole it's just a fire pole yeah. there's no other name for that no there are space. what you would call a chute it's basically flaps that when you stand on it your weight will open them up and it keeps like kids from falling through the opening mm. but my house is not sophisticated it's just a big opening mm. so if you were to fall through you're going to fall through and so many mess kids have spilled on the floor in this house <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah nobody's falling through knock on wood what, uh, what, did, what would the drop be 12 feet you'd be pretty hurt yeah yeah oh no you're, you're, you're pretty screwed up even though there's a foam pad when you get to the bottom mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't do much no i know two feet. people that have told me bad stories about going to the er because they have fire poles at their house so their first thing when they found out i've got one they're like oh let me tell you my story i'm like no 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 no, no. But hopefully we won't have this problems but i've only hurt myself on it one time and it was just getting cocky and going too fast and man when i hit the bottom it's like just a splat mm. and yeah i was like okay i'm not 20 years old anymore i gotta be careful with that i just know you don't do it in your short pants nope nope you learn about friction real quick my nephew learned that lesson when he was younger so women in short skirts i you know it hurts for me to say i wouldn't do that because i'm like mm. yeah do that sure but no that's a bad idea yeah, that's not really the look you're going for. No, no, no. I, I've got to play the long game. The burn I, I want, skin. I want them to come back, not just, you know, leave forever. So what else is going on? I think we got to wish somebody on our show a happy birthday. We do. Not you, not me. Who else could it be? 
where is this? Well, he, he just left as individual. Soon as, as soon as we got ready to talk about him, he left the room. So yeah. Ronnie James D.O.G. is five years old this month. And I wow. say this month because I found him behind a dumpster when he was about three months old. And so the best we could guess is January is his birthday. So we just celebrate the entire month. Tonight, he got so much chicken, some rotisserie chicken, made chicken broth, and so he got a lot of the carcass and scraps and all kinds of stuff. So he's been living large today, and then all week long, he's just going to live large. Like he normal. I mean, this is normal. This is not- Right. I was going to say, this kind of sounds like normal. We're just going to call it that he's living extra large this month. I'll get him an extra chewy bone or something. So did you make him anything special? No, he got a bowl full of chicken. I mean, okay. come on. All right. I didn't know if you, you know- How many dogs out there get together. a bowl full of chicken? No, okay. I, I no. He just, he's happy to get that, plus his regular- meal plus you know treats in between he's a well-fed dog you know what he told me when i came in oh what'd he say he's like i ate well tonight <laughs> robert hooked me up that's right musketeers it's time to get your grub on with the chef that can give it to your funky style there was nothing worthy of that intro other than rotisserie chickens, <laughs> <laughs> some beans or something like that. But However. that music reminded me, we talked about on the last episode that I bought my first album in 20, 25 years, 30, I don't know. 19, wow. When was 1991? How long ago was that? A long A long time, time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so over New Year's, New Year's night or New Year's Eve night, had some people over. Had a good time, tied a few on, played a funk record on a record player nice. for my friends. It was really old school. The name of the album, The Funk is on the One, <laughs> which goes against what I think funk is because you got the downbeat. Right. I think according to Bootsy Collins, everything after the downbeat is what funk is. So you got the bump, then the bam, bum, bam, bum, bum, bam. That's the funk. Well, so, I think it's I on the one, actually. I don't know. So we'll see. But, but the album cover. Uh, is this a new no, this, uh, this vinyl is a compil- collection? Nope. This is a compilation from 1979 Oh, nice. And so the names, of the, I've never heard of any of these people on here. Not that I'm an expert, but I just, mm. I've never heard of it. So it's not your typical 15 funk songs that you hear everywhere. Right. No Rick James on this. Hang on, I have to get some lights on. I can't see the damn thing. No, no Rick James. Okay, so here's the here's the song track here. No Parliament. The High Master, but it's spelled M-A-E-S-T-E-R. Is that Maester? Or is that Master? Anyway, The High Master, I like funky music. Superior Elevation, Superior Funk. Mel Shepard, Can I Take You Home? This is this is where it gets good. Number four, Carl Marshall. Let's go humping. <laughs> Jimmy, that's that's it. Just Jimmy. El Funky, Elaine and Ellen. Fill me up. <clears throat> Slap back. Party Hardy. Connie Mackey. I found a love. And then the High Master instrumental version of I like funky music. 
So it went really well. We just flipped it over and played. I mean, after both sides, we flipped it over and played it again. It was that good. So now Captain Ryan is yelling at his phone right now. He's going, "I know every single one of those, and we play them on the pirate ship." You asshole. No, I can guarantee that. Okay, that is not the case. All right. So he needs to update the pirate ship playlist. He knows that. We've we've discussed this. Okay. It's good stuff. He's got all the classic. He's got the hits that everybody wants to hear. Mm -hmm. But we've heard them a lot. So now we are co-captain john that you know we we agree we need to update that playlist a little bit now he's got the funk is on the one yeah funk is on the one i will be downloading this which is pretty cool you can download an album straight to your laptop how about that wow you have you have arrived sir you have arrived i really do i feel like i'm (laughs) like slightly hip 20 years after the fact that everybody else has been on this bandwagon i'm just now getting on it I can improve. There's room for me to grow. <laughs> well, after you feel that you're current 20 years later, go listen to Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slamfest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Potter Than Hell, Podkiss, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast, The Synaptic Empire, and don't forget about Monty, Monty's Rock Cast. Come visit us in Obscuria.com. Maybe now that it's 2023, I'll update the website. The, the maybe. <laughs> maybe the podcast <laughs> website. Will be, maybe not. Don't get too ahead of yourself. Yeah. Right. Just go over our socials. Like us, share yeah. us, recommend us. We're on everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everywhere. Everywhere except for TikTok. Because I heard that nah, the Chinese don't like in Obscuria. They steal our bank accounts when you get yeah, on there. I so think we can't go like there, that. apparently. All right. So what are we doing this week? I don't know. So I've been all day researching more goth bands for next October. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready. You're so, going to yeah. be ready. I'm going to be ready, man. So I got to start early. So yeah. Well, you know, last year we did a goth episode with Brent Zia. So mm-hmm. we did it in April. So we could have a goth oh, in April again. When, yeah. Let me keep working on that. Okay. That gives you a couple months. So far I got one song. All right. <laughs> All, All day right. long, I got one song out of one day, so give me a few more days. All right, we'll, All right, we'll get there. What you got? Well, I was just going to say, since it's now 2023, do you know what year it is on the Chinese New Year? 113012. Well, it's the year of the, there's an animal. Oh, oh, there's an animal. It was a rat, cat, uh, year of the iguana. Armadillo. No, it is the year of the rabbit. Year of the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Is, is it a, a unique rabbit? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. (laughs) But me being a kid of the 70s and 80s, I thought it would be fun since it's the year of the rabbit. I got my kids a little gift for New Year's and we all had them when we were kids, but apparently people are all woke now. But I went out and bought (laughs) some lucky rabbit's feet. Apparently... People don't really like those anymore because something Seriously? about having a chopped off rabbit. Yeah, apparently it's not a cool thing to have anymore. Oh my, my God. My kids freaked out because in the woke world that we live in, it's frowned upon by these younger kids of having animal parts in their pocket. I don't know why. Okay, to tell the truth, I always thought it was a little weird when it was it when I It brings you luck, man. Yeah, but it was kind of weird. But I didn't, I, no reason. I was like, okay, that's weird. And they dye them pink or yellow or whatever color you want. I, I got their favorite colors. I mean, we had all, you know, an acre of fish guts buried in our backyard from cleaning <laughs> fish every weekend. So yeah. we had our own little traditions. 
So I started 2023 with a daddy fail. Oh, no. <laughs> so you just hang it from your rearview mirror? My youngest kicked it across the room, like, immediately. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want anything to do with a dead animal. I'm like, you eat chicken. You yeah, eat chicken yeah. legs, dummy. You don't mind holding a bone when you're eating it. Nah, it's all about looks. And yeah, it's something about you, putting you gotta, a severed limb in their pocket they don't think it's lucky for some reason. So get but. even with them. Put a horse head in their bed. <laughs> Godfather style. But whatever. I do not want to kick a good luck omen across across the room, I think that may bring us the wrong thing. I think it may bring us bad luck. No, that's so. why we're having black eyed peas and collard yeah, greens. Exactly. And go that's what we the, do in the South. Good juju. Good, yeah, you got to have the good juju to kick off the year, All right? good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Prosperity. So I searched for this thing that she kicked for about an hour. <laughs> and finally, I found it between two cushions on the couch. It landed perfectly between two cushions. And as soon as I thought about that, I'm like damn thing's already working. It's already bringing me ideas. It's mm. bringing me luck from the other world, from the other side. I knew it was a good luck sign. It was in between cushions and it was kicked there. So just like Robin in a Batman episode, I knew today we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, in-betweeners. In-betweeners. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You remember back in episode 133? Yeah, totally. We, we, I know you do. We talked about these bands that existed in the late 80s, early 90s that were somewhere between what was going on in the 80s with the hair metal and, mm-hmm. and the metal of that time and what was coming with the alternative and the grunge in the 90s. And they, they didn't know where to categorize them. And once grunge and alternative established itself, it was hard for these bands to be put in those categories because they had already been a band or they had been categorized mm-hmm. something that they weren't. Right. And, and we talked about some examples of that. So, you know, at the time these bands came out, there was glam metal, there was thrash, goth, etc. But alternative didn't exist and they didn't know where to categorize them. So we're talking about bands that notable ones we've talked about extreme uh you could throw faith no more in there the cult Mm -hmm. galactic cowboys king's x warrior soul raging slab who we've talked about white zombie these are all bands that were fairly big but nobody really knew where to put them when they first came out Mm -hmm. and another one of my favorites another one of my (laughs) favorite well actually you probably could it's just it was one of those things. Wasn't it wasn't hip hop. It, it wasn't, wasn't hip hop. It, it wasn't different. Gangsta. And I liked it. And it appealed to white people like me. All of a sudden, you're like, "What PM is this?" Dawn. Yeah, I yeah, like that. There was a whole bunch of this stuff. Yeah. And one of my favorites. Oh yeah, Saigon uh, Kick. Saigon Kick. Got, he's got so a t-shirt. He did the whole Superman thing where he like rip reveal. off his shirt. I did a reveal. I'm actually I'm sexy. actually hot. Yeah. The heat on. It's it's 58 degrees outside, and I got the heat on. My God, Florida man here. Yeah, it's a little warm in here. So, Robert, as you alluded to already, this mm. is episode 160. Can you believe we're on 160? Holy crap. This is a grave mistake. We started with one, right? We did. Okay, yes. just to make sure. Yes. We didn't start off like with 32 and cheat a little bit. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. So, this is a grave mistake tonight. Saigon Kick should have been huge. So, we are going to explore the world of some Florida natives, Saigon Kick. Love is all the way. Let's talk about that. I can Let's see talk it about in that. Your That's one of the best sing-along songs. I mean, it's, it's they sing it 30 times, so you get plenty of chances to practice that harmony. Love is oh, on the way. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll be talking about that here. That's so, all. I love that song. <laughs> that's so good. But that's what did them in, just yes, like Extreme. Just like more every than words. other hair band that had a big power ballad hit. Yep, yep. So, band originally from Miami, Florida, featured Jason Beeler on guitars, Matt Kramer on vocals, 
Phil Verone on drums, and Tom Defile on bass. I love his last name, Defile. Defile? <laughs> not Defazio, I hope Defile. It's real. Defile. I hope that's a real name. Oh if it's not a real name, that's a great pseudonym. <laughs> his, his dad was probably Defile. He was like, no, it's Defile. Maybe it is Defile. <laughs> <laughs> it's French. Anyway, Saigon Kick, like I said, I consider them one of those in-betweener bands, just like we played on episode 133. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. They suffered the same fate as Extreme. Mm-hmm. It's a parallel line with Extreme, and we'll talk about it as we get into this. They toured a lot with Extreme. It's a very similar band. They hit with a ballad. We just played it, and it doesn't represent really what you got on their records. Mm. Maybe you got two of those on the first two records and then that was kind of it. They're actually even more, they have more variety even than Extreme, I would say. They're a very diverse band when it comes to songwriting. If you took Queen from the 70s and plopped them in the 90s, that's kind of what Saigon Kick were. They mm. were very Queen-like in their approach to anything goes and they'll write a, a kitschy, you know, English country song and then they'll write a heavy, heavy number and then, mm. you know, then they'll do a ballad and then they'll do something that's poppy and funky and that's the kind of music they played but they hit huge they had a gold album with that ballad that we just played and that was on their second album and then after that it was just that that was the expectation Mm -hmm. and so they could do nothing other than try to give another one of those and and it never worked out again love is on the way was a number 12 hit on billboard hot 100 like i said the album and the single well the single went gold then the album goes gold Mm -hmm. and what year was that that was 92 92 Yep, 92. Their first album drops in 91 and doesn't really do anything. We're going to talk about that. And then, yeah, their second album, The Lizard, which again is a kind of progressive, pre-alternative kind of sound for a heavy band. Mm -hmm. But what caught on was Love Is On The Way and they had another ballad that was also released as a single. So the only singles that got released that did fairly well for them were ballads. ballads. I'll remember the second one. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second. But like I said, their sound was so much more diverse than what people thought when they heard Love Is Mm -hmm. On The Way. It was heaviness. It was lush Beatlesque harmonies, lots of textures in between the songs, lots of funkiness and lots of progginess. And Jason Beeler is pretty much the main guy behind the the songwriting, although Matt Kramer, the singer, when they would do songs together, those were also brilliant songs. Mm -hmm. And we'll find out later that Matt will leave the band and, and they did go to be in more of a Jason Beeler project kind of thing as they went on, but I made it very clear last year when I did my solo episode and I talked about the best albums of 2021, Jason Beeler put out one of my favorite albums last year. Mm-hmm. It's called the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra, Songs for the Apocalypse. <laughs> Fantastic, man. It was so good. I still listen to it probably once a month. It's just oh. an amazing album. So let's jump into a little Saigon kick. Now, do you have any history with them other than that no, song? Like, I'm trying to remember hearing that song for the first time and I can't because 92, I mean, Nirvana was already out, Pearl Jam, all that. That's what I was listening to already. So I wasn't paying attention to anything, but I remember that on the radio. But we've talked about this. It wasn't as instantaneous that everything switched. No, but by 92, though, by 92. 92, there were still hair bands out there. No, I'm not saying they weren't there. I wasn't paying attention to them as much, Mm -hmm. but that power ballad song would have been played. It's an excellent make-out song, but nobody was making out with me back then. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, 
No, I was going to say that the the station that I would have been listening to, the rock station, didn't play a lot of the power ballads. That would have been on the top 40 station, which was still playing rock music, but it was starting to change over with a lot of newer hip hop. Like the adult contemporary easy listening stations would have been playing that song because of all the power ballads, that was very ballady. It was like the extreme song. I mean, yeah, more the words. It yeah, was very acoustic. Sad. So that's why I don't remember hearing it that much back then. It was only until later on, looking back on you know Sirius XM satellite on their hairband channel, you'd hear that you know every hour on the hour just about. But radio play, I didn't hear it that much. Yeah, I didn't either. In fact, when we get to that album, I'm going to go chronologically through their their albums here. But when we get to the second album, I didn't hear that song. Mm-hmm. Until no, the much second later. one. Like, I, don't even know I know it. it was a big hit, but yeah. I personally was not listening to I guess the ballad stuff on the radio at that mm-hmm. time. I like you said, kind of transitioned to other now, things. At that that point. being said, I I was playing guitar at that time, learning terribly and more than words. You know, that, I was like, oh, I'm going to sit down and learn that, and it was horrible. But I could play it. Well, more than words came out a year earlier, right? Yeah, and so this one, I don't remember sitting down, you know, trying to learn. It wasn't that. Big, right, like uh, right. you had Eric Clapton doing his acoustic thing. I, that was big, you know, me trying to learn that because I, I wasn't good enough to really play electric, so I was just doing acoustic stuff. So anyway, that's what that's what sticks out in my mind. Yep. So let's talk about where they're coming from. They formed this group in 1988 in Miami, Florida, and they gained a following on the local club scene and generated enough buzz that they got signed to Third Stone Records in 1990. And their debut album was the very first album to be released on a kind of subsidiary label called Third Stone Atlantic. So Third Stone, they got lucky because they signed to Third Stone and Mm -hmm. then Third Stone did a merger or some sort of acquisition of of Atlantic Mm. and all of a sudden they're on a major. So it's pretty lucky for them. Usually it goes the other way around. There's a merger, they get dropped or shelved or something like that. We've heard that story a lot. So some sort of joint venture, I guess. But in, in 1991, that gave them very broad distribution for their first album. It also gave them some clout and they had Michael Wagner as their producer for the first album. So, mm. you know, for a new band to get Michael Wagner on their first album, I mean, he is just coming off of, you know, producing Skid Row's albums. He's done the the Ozzy that came out that same year mm. with, you know, Mama. Metallica, he's the guy that mixed Master of Puppets. He did a whole bunch of Accept albums, all the Dawkins stuff, Alice Cooper, you know, he was doing all of those bands coming out of the 80s that were still doing for fairly well at this time. So mm-hmm. for them to get him as a producer is a pretty big deal. The other thing on this album that I'll note is Jeff Scott Soto, who was Ingve Malmsteen's singer for a record or two, he's singing background vocals on this album only. I'm not exactly sure why, because Jason Beeler and Matt Kramer are both really good vocalists and mm-hmm. they do such good harmonies. They're kind of like an Alice in Chains in that way. They, yeah. they have a that duo where they can just blend their voices so well and, and be unique. But Jeff Scott Soto's on this first album as well. And he he and Jason Beeler must be really good friends because to this day, they do an acoustic storyteller kind of comedian bit where mm-hmm. they like they played on the Monsters of Rock cruise, I think, last year, mm-hmm. the two of them just with acoustics and kind of storytelling and telling jokes and they're funny guys. So they still have a relationship to this day. Now, I did bring up some reviews of this first album. It is not the one that got them famous. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the one that went gold. A review from 1991, Saigon Kick fuses hard rock, heavy metal, 60s inspired psychedelia and or punk on the band's aggressive yet melodic debut album. That pretty much explains exactly what an in-betweener is. And or punk. And or punk. (laughs) Yeah. I made sure that was how that was written. And or. And or. Psychedelia and or punk. That's a lot. Yeah. They didn't do any major like touring with this first album. You know, a lot of times 
back in those days you would see like trickster i'm then thinking of bands oh, wow. that were that out one. at the same time like a yeah. trickster or a, a jackal you know bands that were just coming out at the same time mm-hmm. 91 92 they were getting on tours with um you know bands like uh bullet boys no uh you know those guys that they they took off the makeup and they were like um oh yeah yes. There's a Kiss Connection with a K. Yeah, they weren't on any major arena tour with mm. Kiss or any of the other bands I just mentioned that Michael Wagner was producing, which I'm surprised because usually that would draw them into, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a Skid Row show or something. But they were just doing clubs. They were playing with Extreme, who, you know, Extreme were doing well, but they weren't doing big, huge venues. They were playing with King's X, Warrant. I did see that they played two shows in Japan in October of 91. Must have been some sort of festival thing. But mm-hmm. it's hard to really find, even if you go back to Setlist FM, it's hard to find exactly where they were playing and with whom. Mm-hmm. But that's what I found. So I want to play a little Saigon Kick. This is not going to be a ballad. This is what they Good. really sound like. This Let's is really them. We're going to hit you with a little coming home from the first album in 1991.
And that's a great example of a good song, but a song you're not going to hear on the radio. It's not a single. It's, I don't even know about being like on a, maybe on a soundtrack somewhere, but you're only going to hear it when you buy the album, which is tough to get rich and famous when people don't know that, oh, hey, go buy this and you'll enjoy it. They need to hear it and then go buy it, except for a few people like you that go buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to bring up Alice in Chains again, because there's some parallels here. And, and we put this band, Saigon Kick, in the category of they should have been huge. If you think about Alice in Chains, Alice in Chains are formed in 1987. Saigon mm-hmm. Kick formed in 1988. Saigon Kick puts their first album out in 1991. Alice in Chains came out a year earlier in 1990. Mm-hmm. Man in a Box, you know, and the other songs on the album didn't really do much, but Man in a Box was big. But same approach to the music in a way, kind of same look to the band. Mm-hmm. Yet for some reason, Saigon Kick didn't, they didn't have that grabber on their first album. No, and that song had 80s elements to it that mm-hmm. Alice in Chains didn't. Well, I would I would argue that they did on the first album. I would argue no, that No, I mean, I'm, I'm talking just Man in the Box. Well, yeah. That, because I don't, I, I'd have to go back and listen to the rest of it. I can't remember what it sounds like. It's been a long time. I, I had the CD, but... You you had the pinch harmonics on coming home, and so things like that. That his voice wasn't the overly operatic and goofy sound in some of the the eighties hair band sounds, but Mm -mm. still that song had that just enough of the eighties stuff where maybe that's one of the reasons why. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's and it's exactly what the in betweeners are, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're somewhere in between what was happening and what was coming, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they are. So my first exposure, your first exposure, came on their second album called The Lizard. And I remember the first time I heard it, and I didn't hear the ballad. What I heard was the first side of the, maybe the first five songs or so. I was at a party, at a college party. I was in high school, and I went to a college party. Ooh, I remember going to a college party yeah. when I was in high school. Ooh, it was a big deal. Women, yes. Yeah, we went to some, it was some dude's house in Winthrop, I believe was... The University, Winthrop, which is in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Hey, you know what? That's like number three on the party school list, I think, they put out every year. <laughs> but anyway, we were at some guy's house. I don't even remember why or with whom I was. Who I don't, even, I don't know why I was there. But anyway, I was there, and this guy was like, man, have you heard this band Saigon Kick? I'm like, I've heard of them. I don't mm. know anything about them. Because I just assumed at that point in time I had seen their name in a magazine, but I just assumed they were uh, another band doing the hair metal thing, because that's mm. what they look like. And he's like, no, man, this is cool shit. And he put it in and played, like I said, first five songs or so from The Lizard. And I just remember sitting in his room, like a, it's like a living room, and he had, you know, it was it was college, man. So they got like the lava lamps on and all this stuff yeah. that everybody's enjoying. So. Furniture that was found on the side of the road exactly and everybody's kind of sitting in bean bags and whatever they can find to sit on and yeah. you know and enjoying themselves a little bit and uh yeah i was just kind of mesmerized like wow this is really good stuff good thing i didn't hear the single you know but I was <clears> like, yeah, you'd be like i'm out yeah i would have been out at that point maybe not i don't know maybe you would have gotten up and talked to a girl <laughs> <laughs> no that was years down the road <laughs> same here <laughs> i had no game until i was like 42 or something like that <laughs> What you have game? <laughs> well, I just had it oh, oh, briefly. Right, I had it right. briefly. Briefly, it was okay. very brief. It was like fleeting moment. Two years. That was it. I was out. <laughs> then you became a podcaster. Yeah, exactly. That was very cool. Yeah. So we've already said on this album they had the big hit "Love Is on the Way." You know, number twelve Billboard. Is, uh, the album got to number 80 on the Billboard 200, which at that time, that was a pretty big deal. And um, yeah, it 
interesting about this album is the first one Michael Wagner produces. Their second album comes out, Jason Beeler produces it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if Atlantic were kind of like, eh, we're not sure this band's going to go anywhere. We'll let the guitarist, the main songwriter, we'll just let him produce it. And then they get a hit. So I'm, I'm sure that, because I can't think of another reason that they would let someone within the band, a young band, on their second album and they're going to let them self-produce. I mean, unless they heard something from him or Maybe. saw something in him that... It's not like he produced anyone else. Right. But he also saved a lot of money so maybe maybe that was right it. back in his pocket maybe now the billboard review if i went back to 1992 on this is eh, it's it's okay it says elements of the beatles led zeppelin and virtually every band in between fuel saigon kicks second release which packs a more well-rounded punch than their 1991 debut not bad for a Billboard review. Mm-hmm. Rolling Stone and Billboard, they never like these types of bands no, they, in they, general. The reviews are always very similar. Yeah. A little bit of Beatles, a little bit of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Something, something snarky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, We don't like your stuff you think's cool. Yeah. So they tour again with Extreme. They do uh, several dates with Extreme. At this point, Extreme were on their Three Sides to Every Story Get the Funk tour. Out. No, they were they had already moved that, beyond that beyond album. That, they were on okay. the third album. So they were opening for Extreme. They were touring with Slaughter and Warrant again. So still stuck in that kind of mm-hmm. late eighties, early nineties hair metal category, even though them and Extreme were very different. And I'm gonna play a track off of this album that is not what got them famous. This is what they really sounded like again Mm -hmm. this is a song called hostile youth
of those guitars. So that was very Stone Temple Pilots. The vocals were more Allison Chains on that one. Mm-hmm. It was much less hairband. It wasn't grungy enough. I'm. This is my hypothesis. For 1992. For 1992. Hmm. I mean, think of the edginess that was out between Stone Temple Pilots and Scott Weiland and Allison Chains and all the other bands. Soundgarden. It was just really edgy at the time. And it was, the vocals were great. There was nothing wrong with them, but they were very melodic. Yeah. And it was definitely more along the lines of what other hair bands were trying to do. There was, at that time, grunge had been around long enough where bands were starting to try to change their sound a little bit. But I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying they were doing that. I think they were just making music. But one of the reasons that that might not have kicked on as much is it still had just a little bit of that element of, of, of melodicness. That, yeah. You know what? At that time, I, I, w- I was, I was, liking the edginess and the the weird punkish nirvana stuff because i wasn't into punk early on but once nirvana came out i'm like yeah i like the fact that this is the opposite of the hair band of trying to be perfect yeah exactly and that that was that spoke to me because i was trying to play the guitar and still to this day i'm far from perfect jason beeler just tearing it up you saw it when that kicked in that solo (laughs) i mean it just went from very beautiful to oh hell yeah here we go man can play guitar yes awesome now being a florida native and i'm a assuming you're still in Florida in 1992. Tallahassee, Florida. Um, do you have any recollection of them? Because I know they toured their home state oh, God, probably yeah. more I mean, than anywhere I'm sure else. they. there was a place called the Musical Moon, or we just called it the Moon. I've mentioned it a couple of times. It's my first mosh pit, Driving and Crying. Mm-hmm. 1989 or somewhere in there and first Pink Floyd laser light show I, we talked about that a few episodes right. ago right. so I guarantee they they came there because that was a college town so that they, right. and they had a big club but so. you never saw them it no. was, was it anything that was on your radar at no, that time not at that time okay yeah because I when I look back at the touring dates or the you know the shows that they had it does look like they concentrated on Florida just on the state of Florida quite yeah. a bit and they did a lot of festivals and things like that as well there's not much around Tallahassee so you have to kind of pass through there to get up towards the Panhandle area, which there's not much up there back then, especially as far as clubs and things. But you had Panama City Beach, right? Club La Vila and Spinnaker. Oh, yeah. So I bet you they played there, probably. Probably did. So if you're a fan or you like what you're hearing in these first two albums, they have just re-released them on vinyl. So if you collect vinyl, they just came out. Dude, fact, my vinyl collection is huge. Yeah. So you can go get these Saigon <laughs> Kick albums now. I got them for Christmas. I'm up to twelve. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, man. I've you know, you mentioned STP, Allison Chains. I just feel like because if they wouldn't have gotten the hit in this year with that song, yes. they might have had a chance with yes. this song. Now I agree with that. I but agree they with didn't, that. They didn't release this as a single. Right. It, once you heard that ballad, you're looking at the rest of it through the glasses, you know, tinted with hair bands. Because, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about it being melodic, but there was still, I mean, there was that whole resurgence with Queen and mm-hmm. Wayne's World and all that stuff. So people were still digging, like, Well, Allison Chains stuff. had melodic, but Lane Staley could just let it rip with this tearing yeah. your heart out the, vocals. But the then throat. they had, they had you know, yeah. not really nice harmonies on some of their songs, too. Yeah. So I, I think it was, it came down to what was chosen to promote. Mm-hmm. And had they chosen this song, maybe... Like just that forget about the first album, skip that first album, and go straight to the second one. Like Allison Chains, everybody skipped the yeah. their hair band days. Yeah. I had no idea they were a hair band until 
20 years later. I think you mentioned it and I went back right. and listened to it. <laughs> courtesy of YouTube. Right. Well, so they went the other direction, right? They got the big hit off of this album. So after that, they get some change in their pocket and they decide, do you know where they decide to go record? You're not going to believe it. Where would you go? Would you go to the, what they knew? Sunset Strip. No, they knew this was going to be the new rock and roll capital of the world. Athens, Georgia. Mark, Mark, Mark. National anthem of Sweden. Yes, they pack up and go to Sweden to record their third album because they know Sweden's got it going on. 1993. Attractive population, but it's cold. It is, yeah. I'm not sure what month they went, but they're from Florida. Yeah, it's (laughs) burr. They're used to- Pretty much any time of the year, burr. They're from Miami, Florida. It's not even Florida. It's like- Well, once again, I have the heat on and it's 58 degrees outside. (laughs) And you're from the top of Florida. Yeah, from the top. I'm the Arctic part of Florida. It's a big state. It's a big state. It's really big. Very long. It's called Very the, long state. It's called the Redneck Riviera. If yeah. you've never been there, the Panhandle. Mm. So first of all, it's called the Panhandle, and it's also the Redneck Riviera. So we have lots of nicknames. And technically, where I'm from is called the Emerald Coast. Because the water is very green. Very gr- emerald green, but they tried to rename it the Emerald Coast because everybody kept calling it the Redneck Riviera. They so didn't stick. They were trying to overcome the bad <laughs> marketing from that. Well, these guys are from South Florida, so it's a whole different world where they're from. And so, yeah, they go to Sweden, and something happens when they're in Sweden instead of everybody gelling Matt Kramer was not feeling the direction they were going now they've Mm. just had this big hit instead of capitalizing on the success that you have Mm. and trying to build it Matt's not happy he's like I'm going home to Florida he splits, doesn't finish the record. And apparently there was some sort of financial dispute as well. So, you know, once you throw money into it, that, you know, makes things that's what broke up our band man it did we made that yeah, we split we, that five dollars well it's like it was like a dollar somebody got three a piece <laughs> <laughs> so what does jason beeler do he's he's already basically singing lead with matt anyway he just decides i'll just be the front man i tell you what here's what i'm gonna do guys i'm gonna be the front man i'll be the lead vocalist the lead guitarist the sole songwriter on this album and i'll produce it mm-hmm that's what he does. You guys just hang out in the corner. You guys uh, play your little bass and drums. Yeah. You guys do that. Just show up on Thursdays. They did get a new bass player as well. So they, they lost their original bass player and they got a guy named Chris McLovin. Where else can we get alcohol? Yo, guys. What's up? Fucker, where have you been, man? You almost gave me a goddamn heart attack. Let me see it. You pussy out or what? No, no, man. I got it. It's flawless. Check it. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, that's good. It's hard to trace, I guess. Wait, you... You changed your name to McLovin? Uh. McLovin? What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What, are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? Oh, they let you pick any name you want when you get down there. And you landed on McLovin? Yeah, I was between that and Muhammad. Why the fuck would it be between that or Muhammad? Why don't you just pick a common name like a normal person? Muhammad is the most commonly used name on Earth. Read a fucking book for once. Fogel, have you ever actually met anyone named Muhammad? Have you actually ever met anyone named McLovin? No, that's why you picked a dumb fucking name. Fuck you. Give me that. All right. You look like a future pedophile in this picture, number one. Number two, it doesn't even have a first name. It just says McLovin. What? What name? What name? Who are you, Seal? Fogel, this ID says you're 25 years old. Why wouldn't you just put 21, man? Seth, 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 listen up, ass face. Every day, hundreds of kids go into the liquor store with their fake IDs, and every single one says they're 21. How many 21-year-olds do you think there are in this town? It's called fucking strategy, all right? Let's stay calm, okay? Let's not lose our heads. It's, it's, It's a fine ID. 
It'll, it's gonna work. It's passable, okay? This, this isn't terrible. I mean, it's up to you, Fogel. This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. Okay, so what's it gonna be? I am McLovin. No, sorry, not McLovin, McLearnin. <laughs> I like McLovin. That's a good band name, too. Yeah, McLovin. McLovin. Yeah, they got Chris McLearnin on bass, so they, they lost Matt Kramer, and they lost Defile at the same time. They give us another album that's a mix of heavy, a little more power pop, a little more alternative, because it's 1993. They're, mm. you know, they're starting to, to change direction just a little bit. It's got some psychedelia still in it. Lots of great melodic harmonies. It's what they do. Now, this may have something to do with why Matt left, but I don't think so. The record company did push them, so they're still in Atlantic at this mm. point, 1993. The record company did push them, hey, guys, you need to write another one of those oh, yeah. ballads. Yeah, yeah, because that's how it works. That, that's what made us the money. Yeah. That's why you're here in Sweden having all this fun. So if you can just write another one of those, we're going to send it to Contemporary Adult Radio. And that's what I was referring to. That's why I didn't hear it a lot. Or is it Adult Contemporary? Adult Contemporary adult Radio. Contemporary, yes. Once again, the B98 point five while yeah. you're at work they're like you give us to listen to <laughs> you give us one of those we are gonna yeah. promote the hell out of it and so they did they did another one and didn't quite have the same impact but love, it's love was on the way instead yeah. of love is on the way so love was on the up. way now it's just i love you <laughs> and here's a, a snippet They got like a little Def Leppard with it. What? <laughs> oh my! My brain is broken. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know what their second power ballad was. So that's the first time I've heard that ever. Yeah, that is insanely bad. It was really bad. Wow, really bad. But I mean, we've heard some bad stuff. But that record, that last song you played, mm, "Coming Home," was good. Good song. Yeah. And yeah, then good. you just played that, and it there's didn't warn me at all. And there's parts of this album, "Water," that are amazing. But then you have that there, and they did that because the right. record company said, "You owe us one of these if you want to keep that status that you've gained. If good. you want to keep going, you got to give us another horrible. one of those." It's absolutely horrible. It's no guitar. It's just synth. I mean, track it, drums. Well, nineteen ninety three. So it reminds me of the the horrible crap that Def Leppard did on Adrenalize Yo, around 1992, yeah. around the same time, you know, yes. make love like a man and all that stuff. Oh. Yeah, it's it's bad. But there are shining moments on this album, but go then you've got that. That's just got a bad taste. <laughs> He's got a big face full of Velveeta. <laughs> it's that golden blend of natural cheeses and other wholesome ingredients that make Velveeta processed cheese bread shine. Okay, so they shit the bed on that one. So they're at three-piece. They give us that. It's somewhat promoted and pushed to adult contemporary radio, but it doesn't catch on because it sucks. Yeah, that's not right. even... Oh, yeah. I mean, but they, they're like, you know what? We're going to go out and do some touring. And Jason's like, I can't do everything on stage. So they mm. do hire another guitarist. They get this guy, Pete Dombrowski, in the band. So he's on to support the new album. They go tour again with Extreme. And this time they 
found out that they're charting and doing well in Indonesia and <laughs> Southeast Asia. And there was another band Name around Saigon the same Kick? time. <laughs> no, but oh. there was another band who was doing the same thing, touring in Asia. Southeast Asia. That was Firehouse. Remember uh-huh. Firehouse around oh, the same time yes. were huge. And, same and they really... Reason. They really hit in Asia for some reason, and so did Saigon Kick. And so they go and they do some dates there. That was the best prom dance song. Firehouse finally found the love. Dad was, oh yeah. I told you my story. I mean, they're they're from Charlotte. I should, you know, I support them in that they were local to where I grew up and they were called White Heat back in the day. Mm. But once they became Firehouse, I, you know, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't take it. Anything else? No more. I know. I, I, I think I've talked about it, but you loaned me your iPods. Oh, the live album. Yeah. And I listened to that. Which is in Japan. In Japan. And it was really good. But my, you know, I I wouldn't go back and listen to it frequently, (laughs) but I just have memories As associated moments. with the the, yeah. the the power ballad yeah, yeah. The, anyway so but yeah but similar bless, bless our hearts. similar reason i'm sure yeah. that that saigon kick because of the ballad they all want to hear the ballad it hit theirs well we don't care what else you play so this thing failed to chart the album did horrible mm. 1993 atlantic says see ya see ya be done and uh it's unfortunate because again you've got a band who's doing I've played some heavy stuff, mm-hmm. but they're doing a lot more than just that. Like I said, they they remind me of a more modern 90s version of Queen because they were basically doing anything that they felt like doing. It's mm-hmm. just so diverse. So I'm going to give you uh, a little taste of that. So here's a bit of a funky number for them. So just like Extreme, they could kind of throw a little bit of that funk and dance. Mm-hmm. And I actually think this is a killer song. This is okay. called On and On.
honestly, when I say this, I'm not kidding. When the guitar came in at the very beginning, first thing I thought of was you and John Stringer. <laughs> so, a little soul speak or yeah. a little funky guitar work going on. Might be why I like it so much. Um, a great song. I'm surprised that nobody covered that. That seems like a good candidate for some pop star out there to cover that. I think of Maroon 5. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the names of pop stars to suggest, but that's perfect. Yeah. That sounds like a modern day Maroon, yeah. well, modern day 15 years ago. Yeah, well, Maroon 5, so they come out, what, late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, somewhere in Somewhere there. around there. I mean, that, that was, was it. Kind that was of their exactly sound. their sound, yeah. This came out in 1993. Who's huge that's funky and alternative in 1993? Chili Peppers. The Chili Peppers. So if Atlantic were smart, they would have released this as the single. They would have pushed it to Alternative Radio, which was brand new, mm. who probably had no clue about Saigon Kick's previous success. Yeah. This might have taken off. Maybe. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, we can I hypothesize, mean, but... They could, in my mind, they can just do all these different things, yet they always have that melodic kind mm. of, those vocals. So yeah. what sets them apart to me from other bands is the fact that they just have this amazing melodic singing. It's, like you say, it was probably more in the 80s. I almost think mm. it's more of a 70s throwback style Maybe, of or at least early 80s. Because, I mean, hair bands didn't have melodic singers. No. I'm not saying that, but there was that... That polished sound that kind of went it's, away in the 90s, it yeah, was in the early the, 90s at least. Yeah, I mean, but I could see this kind of thing that they were doing on this album, Water, to me, mixes very well with like what Light live, Rock. Uh, what live and collective live, soul yeah. were doing in 1993 with their first albums. Mm. So when you talk about the vocals, you're right, 70s yacht rock type stuff where there's just big harmonies, yeah, just and, big harmonies, yeah. and yeah, I, I mean, I was going Queen, but Queen, you can go, you yacht can go rock even you yacht want. rock too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was all there. And it was all about the big. But yeah, once you got into 93, 94, then grunge opened up. And yeah, there's lots of other types of music. It, it just, yeah. it got really diverse quickly. Yeah, I just feel like they should have been there. I think it just comes down to what got yep. them the attention on that second album kind of killed them, just like Extreme. Mm-hmm. And so here we go to 1995. They have been dropped by Atlantic and they signed for their next album with CMC Music. If you look up CMC Music, you'll find out that they were a mid-90s label that basically took every single one of the hair bands who all lost their major label. I'll take you, I'll take you, you, just, you, come on over. If you were metal or if you were if you were 80s metal or if you were hair band, come on over. Yeah. Come to CMC and release your albums here. It's the equivalent of on Monopoly. Like Baltic Avenue, all those first yeah, exactly. properties he hit on, just exactly. buying up all those. So, yeah, just give yeah. them all to me. Yeah. yeah, I'll take those. And that's what CMC did. Now, yeah. they eventually they merged with Sanctuary, and then I think now Universal owns them. So, if we get kicked off because of this next song, it's because Universal owns them now. Thanks, then. jackasses. Yeah, there was so there was Sanctuary. They were based in the UK. There was another label that was around for like a minute called Victory Cording Group or something like that. And they also took a bunch of the the older seventies and mm-hmm. early eighties bands, but they went away. But this label had them all. Unfortunately, the label went away because they just they all got gobbled back up by the majors. Yeah. <laughs> but in ninety five, they released an album called Devil in the Details. This is the first album to have two guitars on it. So you've got Jason and Pete on a Saigon Kick album for the first time. Again, Again, they're just playing club gigs, festival gigs, not a ton of gigs in general. Mm. I read the review on All Music, which is 
not it's a current review of this album. It's, I couldn't find a review from, from 1995. Maybe I just didn't search far enough, but I do have a review from All Music, which is more current, but it says the album that brings to mind Extreme, King's X, and Queen. Lots of variety and diversity could have easily fit into the alternative scene, if not for their namesake. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what it is. I'm going to play the single. They CMC did release a single. Now, I'm not sure how much promotional you know power CMC Music had at 1995. Got a band, CMC Music Factory? C and C. Oh, C and C. <laughs> That's weird. I was thinking they did a pop song and then they bought up all the hair bands. No, CMC was a label. C was and every, C was everybody a very dance bad, now? Yes, very everybody bad dance band. Did. Oh my God, you heard that every, every club, now. every bar you went into. Back oh my then. God, it's going to be plugged in right here. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize. We're sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. Robert's fault. It's my fault. My bad. All right, but they did release a single. I don't know where they released this single, but maybe some station somewhere picked it up. It didn't get played much, but it's called Eden, and it speaks to where they were in 1995. I think it's really cool, so check it out.
okay, definitely by then, the world of music had opened up. That could have fit in. I mean, think about it. Ben Folds 5 was popular in 1995. Right? Or was it 96? Yeah, somewhere around Somewhere around there. there. So, I mean, if this had been their first album, I think they would have had a better chance even, you know, skip the first two. I mean, the, the others were close. Yeah, they had a big hit, made them some money. I hope they got to take some of it home and not just the record company. You never know. Some of these bands got... Young band on Atlantic Young Records. band on Atlantic yeah. they, may not have, they may have made 100 grand. I don't know. That, that lasts very long. I, I don't know. But I love that song. Yeah, that's a good like, song. It's great. But I think their name yeah. at this point kills them because I mean, of look, who they are. Camper Van Beethoven changed it to Cracker. Yep. Basically the same band. They should take our advice and change their name. Yeah. Maybe they do. People never call us. They should call us. We'd make people a lot of money if they would just call us. Well, that's not what they do now. They take a split. That's not what they do. Instead, and by the way, this that whole album is great. So Devil in the Details, the first four albums, amazing. They are so good. I, you know, I'm a fan. Obviously, mm. I'm wearing a shirt right now. <laughs> you can see it through the microphone, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's bra- braille. Just reach, feel, feel your speaker. Touch your phone. Touch your phone. Right. Touch Doesn't your phone that right feel now. like Psycho Kick? Mm. Mm. All right. So instead of changing their name and maybe making people forget who they are so that they can be somebody else. Because they could have kicked one guy out of the band, brought in somebody else. And, oh, it's a new band. Well, That's all they had to do. What happens is Phil Verone, the drummer who just kicks a major ass on that song, mm-hmm. He decides to leave. They get a new drummer, Ricky Sanders. And I guess Jason and Matt Kramer had been talking. And so they're like, let's try to get the band back together because mm-hmm. you get Matt Kramer and Jason Bieler together. You've got those powerful vocals, those harmonies. And so in 1997, they attempted a reunion with Matt. And that made Saigon Kick a five-piece band for the first time ever. And they did some recording. They, they did some writing. They did some demos. And shit happened pretty quickly. And <laughs> Bieler and Kramer... <laughs> Nothing was fixed. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, I think Jason split first. So I wrote down in my notes here, Mm -hmm. no Beeler equals no Saigon kick. Without Jason, you don't really have Saigon kick. So then I think Kramer decides to split around the same time. And so they got to, you know, the record company needs something. Mm -hmm. We've got, you know, recording time booked for you guys. You you guys got something done. So they decide to release a album called Moments from the Fringe. It's a compilation of demos and rare tracks and whatever they had finished to mm-hmm. that point. And so I'm going to play the one song that was completed that would have been on a reunion album had they decided to make it. They couldn't hold it together They couldn't enough. hold it together, but this is what Saigon Kick sounded like in 1997 with... With five people. The five people. This is Dizzy's Vine. <laughs>
birds parade the flame Bells are torn from feeding mother's crack pipes The killer's on the fields again Glistening a short life The bells will ring across the fields Ganging up Sodom had its way On your knees again You sorry bitch Time and time again I see myself blame poor parenting okay <laughs> those two guys needed better parents to make them get along uh-huh. obviously their parents never taught them you know sometimes you know you just need to suck it up get along like brothers and sisters have to just get along you may hate them you may they drive you nuts but sometimes you just got to get along and that was a damn good song and i'm pissed that they couldn't hold it together to finish that album i know right i like that song that's the first one that i really like the others were like hey that's a good song that i like that had enough little weirdness to it edginess psychedelia psychedelia in there, in there yeah. that that speaks to me i like that but it was still melodic but the melodicness was more like 
like psychedelia. Psychedelia. Yeah, psychedelia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yes. that's what yes. it had. This is what you said. That's what I said. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what, what said. I said. Uh, it had that. You get the two voices in there together, yes. and it's just so powerful. So all I could think of the whole damn song was, well, no, I'm not going to, I don't like you. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people I don't like, but you know, I don't go around just telling them to fuck off. I got to get <laughs> along with them. We got to work together sometimes. Now, I will say for me, the guitar effects, uh, it was a little bit much at times. Like, you got two awesome guitarists mm. in the band. Let them chunk it up a little bit, but that's not what they were going for yeah. in that song. I could have used a little more guitar. Well, if there was a whole album... And right. that was like the most melodic song on the album. It'd be right. fine. Right. But that's all we have, really. Right. I, I I haven't heard the other snippets it's and demos and demos. Things. It sounds like crap. So. You don't get it. So yeah. Damn it. Could have been awesome. Could have been huge. So Jason Beeler left with their little reunion, mm-hmm. but then he found out that Matt also left. And so he's like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm coming back. back. I'm back. <laughs> So in 1999, <laughs> that's so, so when you storm out of your own house. Exactly. Like, then screw it. I'm out of here. Wait a minute. I live here. Wait a, minute. Wait a minute. No, you leave. You get out of my house. Yeah. That's when I threw the guy out of his own go kart track. <laughs> <laughs> he told me to get out. I said, "No, you get out." And it he turned a, around. It threw him off for like three seconds. It like, wait, no, but no, no, you can't throw me out. This is my go kart track. <laughs> Yeah, where was that? that Redneck was, Riviera? That was it. Oh, just as bad. Helen, Georgia. Oh, Helen, Georgia. It's well, like the redneck, very alpine rednecks. <laughs> and it was in front of my entire family. I don't know mm. if I've told the story. I think you have. Uh, yeah. So nephews were driving. They were blocking me, and I ran them off the track. And the guy got mad and cut and my- And you're not supposed to do not that, not supposed apparently. to do that, apparently. Whatever. And he cut my engine. Like, <laughs> like, cut it. And so I coast to a stop, and I get out. I'm like, what'd you do that for? He's like, you know, you're not supposed to, no bumping. I'm like, but he was blocking me. And I was, I, I but he's a sucky it, driver. He's, yeah, like, he's 10 years old. <laughs> I had to teach him. I was going to teach him a lesson. The guy's like, that's it. Get out of here. And he started cursing at me. And I'm like, watch your mouth. And that, it went downhill from there. And he threw me out. And then he tried to call the cops in front of my parents. And I'm 40 years old. That's the, that's the key to this. Keep in mind, I was 40 years old getting thrown out of a go-kart track in front of my parents yeah. and my sister and my nephews. Did you not tell him that you were getting ready to do a pit maneuver and he was just yes. about to see it? Exactly. I said, he's got to learn somewhere. God. These kids have to learn. That's it. They're, they're so coddled these days. <laughs> I can only imagine your poor parents. Oh, my mom at you. was my my mother took it in stride. My dad was confused. And he was getting kind of old at the time. But then my nephew, it was the best because he walks into the like waiting area where everybody watches you. Mm. He walks in after just getting spun out, and he was like, "Uncle Robert's getting arrested." <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I always picture your dad, and I've only met him once, yeah. but I always picture him somewhat like the dad from that 70s show, the oh, Red. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to say, when my time comes, I want to be buried face down so that anyone who doesn't like me can kiss my ass. My head hurts. <laughs> That's your brain trying to comprehend its own stupidity. I mean, he's, he's kind of... He's, kind of, he's an ass. Yeah. And he's dumb. He's a... Dumbass. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. You dumbass! Jedi dumbass. Huh. There's the dumbass. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs put their foot in your ass. How about I drive my foot into this thing called your ass? You know, we could call in a specialist to find my foot in your ass. He, like, Jackass. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I move into a firehouse, and he shows up and looks at it, and he's standing out front, and he looks at it, 
It's a big house. <laughs> that, that's the compliment I got. Like, I just worked my it. ass off for nine months, blew yeah. everything I had to make this thing work out. And it, my dad stands out there and looks at mm. it, kind of shakes his head. It's a big house. And that was, you know, uh, I know that that was the most amazing compliment from my father. I, I'm not worried <laughs> about it. I, I interpreted that. That was, hey, right. man, this is great. You did a great job. And, right. Yeah, it's cool. Big house. <laughs> Rosie didn't look at it and go, so this is what you spend your time doing. Yeah. Oh, no, that's other things. <laughs> when, uh, so 29 years of age, I call my father or call my parents and we're talking. I'm like, hey, guess what? I'm in a band with you. And yeah. my dad goes, what are you, in high school? <laughs> Fast forward another 10, 15 years, whatever it was, he finds out that I went to Burning Man mm. after the fact because I didn't tell him. And he's like, what are you doing, man? You're too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see the pattern here right. of my father looking at me, just shaking his head going, oh my God. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, back to Saigon Kick. So with Kramer gone, Jason comes back. He decides to put the band back together. And he's at this point, it's 1999. He's like, we're going to lock in to what we're doing well, what he thinks will move them. So mm-hmm. they're going to lock into a more current sound, a more poppy sound with the next release. And the liner notes on this release, which by the way is called Bastards, <clears throat> the liner notes say recorded at BVB Studios. And then in small print, it says garages and various bedrooms. <laughs> so at this point, they are no longer on CMC Records. They are on a label that I believe is a Japanese label, perhaps, or an international label. It's called Pony Canyon International or Canyon International. Not very familiar with it. But this label says, you know what? You guys are doing better in the Far East, in mm-hmm. Japan. So we're not even going to release the album in the States because you haven't done anything in the States. So we're mm-hmm. just going to release it in Japan in the Far East. And mm-hmm. that's what they do. They put out this album in 1999. It only has ever been released in the Far East and Japan. So there's a lot of people over there though. So the, hopefully they made a few bucks. You know, their name is Saigon Kick. You know, yeah. maybe they thought they were a Vietnamese band. I don't know. <laughs> it's some local boys. So good. <laughs> I don't know. But I looked up the live dates from 99, 2000. Not a lot of dates. No. So I don't even think they toured where it was released. Now that sucks because I could see releasing over there. If they had been touring a lot, I would have felt yeah. good about it. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. You, you would think that would be the... The plan. Make some scratch over there. But, you know, maybe there just wasn't the funding to do it. It's not cheap to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Uh, they put out this album. Like I said, it never has been released here. Mm-hmm. You know, the only place you can find it is, is digitally. But let's hear from Bastards. Here's a song called Solitary Jerk. And this is them going a little bit in that funky range again, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of cool.
Hmm. Yeah, no. It didn't do it for you? No, no. See, I'm... It was funky, but way too pop funky. See, if I would put myself back in 1999 and I were managing these guys, Mm. first thing I would have done, make them change their name. Change their name, yeah. What would you change it to? I don't know. We'll talk about it in a minute, maybe. Um... (laughs) I would have made them change their name, and then I would have sent this in to 99X, the Atlanta Superstation at that time. Yes. And I would have put them on tour with Marvelous 3, and this would have gone gangbusters. I like your, I like that idea. All right. I, yeah, I'd work for you. See? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got a point. I mean, It's not too far removed from the power pop There was a lot of power pop back then. around 99. If you hadn't played the, the song previous to it, though, I really like that one. But that's just <laughs> the mood I'm in right now. Back in 1999, Marvelous 3 was my favorite band ever. Ever at all times, it was great. We went to see him at the Tabernacle and amazing shows. And anyway, so yeah, I, I guess Butch Walker. For those of you who don't know who Marvelous Three, we've talked about them before, but yeah. a, a lot of people know who Butch Walker is. He was producer extraordinaire, and, and he had a same he had the same trajectory. In fact, I would imagine they crossed paths at some time because oh, you think about he that. was in South Gang, South Gang, in the 80s, ha- which is late, a hair band, early nineties, full on hair band. I'm sure they crossed paths with Saigon Kick, but he's continued to change not only the name of the band that he's in or if mm. he's doing solo he'll have different versions of his solo band it'll be Butch Walker in something I was going to say I don't know how many bands he's been in since Marvelous 3 it's always just Butch Walker it's always variations of, of his name and something else okay. like Butch Walker and the I've, I don't know, I've they, just heard Butch Walker ones, but anyway well, he's, he's a great showman and he, a great producer he produced what Avril Lavergne yes whatever <laughs> that name is yes Avril Lavigne Lavigne uh, he produced a lot of groups, but he's still doing it, and he's still out there making great music mm-hmm. and making some good money too. I don't know. I just feel like they were on a similar path, and had they changed their name from Saigon Kick in 1999, that they might have had a shot with those bands that were kind of riding that very brief wave mm-hmm. of power pop that was big then. But we'll never know. No. But a year later, they thought, you know what? We should change our change name. name now. We're going to change it. So Jason Beeler decides. Okay, they lost their bass player one, but he's like, you know what? I know a guy who used to play for Extreme, Pat Badger. He's really good. He's sitting around the house not doing much. And he can sing really well. So why don't we bring him on? And uh, yeah, so they changed the name to Super Transatlantic. At the same time, they put this band together that was really Saigon Kick. They Mm -hmm. just renamed it with Pat. At the same time, Deadline Records released a Saigon Kick Greatest Hits live album. I have no idea why they would do that in 2000, but they did. But the very same year, they put out their debut release from Super Transatlantic called Shuttlecock. And what happens when they change the name? They get signed to a, a major. They get signed to Universal. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about this before. We, we've we? talked okay, about this that, band. It sounded familiar. Yeah, we've played this band. And the reason we played this band is we played them on our episode 138, Arcane Sounds from the Big Screen. They got a song on the very first American Pie soundtrack. That's right. And Super Down's a great song. We played it. But they actually put a full album out, and they they did all right for a little while. Mm-hmm. But you know, the band only lasted for a year or so, but it was basically Saigon Kick with Pat Badger. And had they done this sooner, mm-hmm. things might have been a little bit different, but who knows. So I'm going to play another song from Super Transatlantic. This is the title cut from Shuttlecock. They were big badminton guys, apparently. Okay. So here's the song, Shuttlecock. Shuttlecock into galactic super jump, baby. Super hard, Captain Kirk. A lot of speed, baby. 
Just go ahead and sound just like them. Well, I think they sound similar to another project that Pat Badger was part of that you and I really liked. Mm-hmm. If you'll remember the nasty ass Honey Badgers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Best band name ever. Uh, that, uh, yeah, we did like that. I want to hear that again. Killer, killer stuff. But uh, but that was good stuff. It would have fit in in 1993. So it came out in 2000. Here's the problem with um, signing to a major label is if you don't have sales, they drop you right away in, yeah. in the year 2000. And, and they, come, they and come after you for every dime they spent on you. <laughs> yeah. We should have played Nasty Ass Honey Badgers. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was kind of it. There was a short reunion around the mm. same time of the other guys from Saigon Kick. So all the you've got Saig- you've got the original mm-hmm. guys who had left, right? But you had the current band, which is basically this band, Super Transatlantic. Mm. The same year, Matt Kramer, Verone, Defile get back together and they tried to do a version of Saigon Kick without Jason Beeler. Was there a lawyer involved in that? I don't know, but again, no Beeler, no Saigon Kick. It just yeah. doesn't work without him. So it, it didn't last very long. They had a guy named Jeff Blando on guitar and mm-hmm. I think they did some Florida shows and oh, a little bit more. And that I, was they it. could pull, you know, a hundred people down in Miami probably. But that was kind of it for the the Saigon Kick story. I was going to say, they went on to make a lot of money with Trans-Siberian Orchestra, right? (laughs) No. Oh, that's not them? That's not them. Oh, okay. No, that was Sabotage. Oh, it started with an S. I I knew it was the same thing. (laughs) Some hair band. Another Florida band. Yeah. Yeah. They're all the same. 
So Kramer and Beeler both went on to do solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Beeler, if you go on to Bandcamp and punch in Jason Beeler, you'll see tons of different projects and things. And like I said, 2021 last year, two years ago now, he put out Baron Von Bielski Orchestra. Mm-hmm. It's really, really awesome. Phil Verone, the drummer, he joined Skid Row in 2000 and he recorded their Thick Skin album with them. He was then replaced by Dave Gara in 2004, who was then replaced by our friend Rob, Rob. Hammersmith in yeah. 2010. Degrees of separation from Skid Row. Our apparently. Skid Row family. Yes. They did have a brief patch of reunion shows that they can never seem to get along for very long. 2013, 2015, they did some patchy mm-hmm. shows here and there, Florida festivals, things like that. But they suffered the same fate as most of the in-betweeners, which is nobody knew what to do with them when they first came mm-hmm. out. And so they put them in a category that maybe didn't match, but unfortunately that stuck with them. And because they weren't full on hair band, I don't think they got the benefit of the revival Mm-mm, no. In the past 10, 12, 15 years. Although maybe maybe now, like I said, Beeler was on the Monsters of Rock cruise yeah. last year. So I think he's still in the circles. But again, they never really were. Yeah. But those people do appreciate Jason Beeler, at least. And yeah. Like I said, he's doing kind of acoustic stuff now. And the Baron Von Bilski stuff is mm-hmm. like really proggy, amazing guitar kind of stuff, which I like, but it doesn't really speak to the hairband lover. So again, kind of conflicting. If you're going after that crowd, I'm not sure they're going to like that. Yeah. He's still doing all sorts of stuff. Like I say, he's just, you know, very diverse in what he does and I love him for it. I think it's great music, but I know it was kind of hit or miss for you a little bit. I always love Suggy and Kick. I think they're a badass group that should have done better, should have been bigger than they were. That's where I am. What say you? I agree. All right, then. Man, a few words. You know me. Huh. That'll work. And with that, we'll see you next time. See you. Later.